Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. Welcome back, listeners, to the finest phototainment in the world. That's right, you're listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, an irreverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. Hangover. Hey, Steve. Funny story came in uh, today from a realtor that I have photographed for. He knew that I did weddings. Mm -hmm. And he just asked me, this literally just came in like moments ago, asked me if I was available for his son's wedding. And I was like, man, this guy, you know, he lists half a million dollar homes. He probably has a pretty healthy budget. I knew the venue that he was getting married at. It's a very expensive venue here in town. So I'm like, what's the date your son's getting married? I would love to help you out. And uh, he told me the date. I was like, ah, bummer. I am already booked. It was this June. So you recommended me? Oh, Dustin, this isn't a funny story. This is heartfelt. Exactly. So I was, I was like, well, Dave, what's your, your budget or what's your son's budget? And um, I'd be happy to send over some recommendations. And he said, well, we haven't really looked at budgets. What's your average? And I said, well, we kind of arrange between 2500 and 3500 and kind of go up from there based on what, you know, they need. And he said, whoa, well, in that case, our budget is five to $800. And we would even include dinner for the photographer. <laughs> and I said, I said, completely understand, Dave. Unfortunately, I don't know anyone in that price range. And he said, okay, wow, you are so way over budget. Then, And that's the part that got me, the fact that he felt like he needed to follow up after I already said I wasn't available to let me know I was way over budget. And I, and I just didn't know what to say. So I said, I'm so I'm sorry, sorry, Dave. Dave. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. I was just like floored. And I wanted to be like, hey, maybe, you know, that $20,000 check you got for that house you just sold last week. (laughs) Maybe use a little bit of that to give your son a nice wedding. Just, you know, food for thought. Anyways, how are you, Steve? I'm doing great. Also, I'm very confused because I know from talking to you on multiple different occasions in the past that your realtor is your dad so your dad doesn't know how much you charge for a wedding you confuse my realtor that's listing my house yes that is my father when i say realtors that i shoot for i shoot Ah. for about 42 different realtors here in fort wayne and he was like this is how much you charge me per hour to shoot a house so i just take that and apply it to a wedding and done. Let's do the math on that. I charge $200 an hour to shoot a house. So if he wanted, let's say, six hours, that would still be double or a little bit more than, than a third over their budget. It'd be like $1,200. Mm-hmm. So still over budget if he paid me the real estate rate that he pays me. No, I think he probably just wanted the ceremony covered. Yeah. I don't know. But dinner was included. Dinner was included, yeah. I mean, I'd knock my price in half if I'm getting dinner. Well, you know, you're not you're not paid to stay for the reception, but <laughs> right? We're going to include dinner. That's going to cost us 25 to 30 dollars a plate, and uh that should be able to knock us off about 200 500 bucks. What what is it? 
So, yeah. Anyways, that's my funny, my funny little story. What are you drinking tonight, Stephen? I am drinking a dragon's milk from the New Holland Brewing Company. Mm. It was a gift to us from some of our friends. They bought it for us in 2017 for Christmas. And then, Can beer last that long? Then forgot about it and uh, pulled it out when we were at their house for the Super Bowl. Does beer last that long? Let me tell you, Dustin, this beer has lasted that long. <laughs> you know, when when it's got that good bourbon barrel flavor, which Dragon's Milk is a bourbon barrel aged beer, it makes you feel be... really, really, you know, good about it because like the, the bourbon barrel taste stays even if all the carbonation goes away. <laughs> Must be the evening of bourbon barrel ales because I am too drinking a Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. Mm. You know, Kentucky bourbon barrel ale was the first beer I ever had that was uh, bourbon barrel aged. It is a popular one. But I do need you to come visit soon because I have a beer in my fridge that I bought for us that is still in there. It's still in there? You didn't drink it? Is it not going to make the move with you? Is that what you're trying to tell me I'm to just, your new house? I'm saying that it's glass, it's breakable, it's fragile. That and If you don't get here before I move, I might be forced to drink the entire bottle. What is it? Is it a stone farking wheat and uh, woot style? I, I can't tell you, Steven. It's a surprise, damn it. It's a super secret surprise, kind of like our Facebook group. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Topics. So Let's just jump right into it tonight, Let's Steven. jump right into it. I don't know. what What's the deal with this one plus photo contest? There was a photo contest. The one okay. plus photo contest. The one plus is a phone. And they wanted you to send in your best photo taken on one of their phones, and they would give you a free phone. Okay. So... Somebody submitted a photo, won the contest. And then a photographer, namely the photographer who actually took the photo on their DSLR, saw his photo being advertised as the winner of the one plus photo contest. What I don't understand about this story, um, because I read most of it, is why one plus photo can't tell if it's a photo taken with their phone. Because the guy who submitted it changed the uh, EXIF data on it. Yeah, but it, the EXIF data was like, I don't know, it was so... I, I guess I would still be able to tell that that wasn't a phone photo. <laughs> but, I mean, who am I to tell? Who am I to judge, Steven? You know, those phones are getting real good these days, Dustin. They, they got a lot of uh, really good depth of field type stuff going on, you know? I've seen the yeah, photos but... you take with your uh, iPhoner iPhoner, yeah. Is that an iPhoner in so your what, pocket? So what? What was the conclusion of the story? I only read the kind of the premise. What ended up happening? Was there a resolution? Can you tell us? It's a long story short. That somebody took a photo, entered it into a contest. The photo belonged to somebody else. Uh, he caught it. He went after him. Yeah. Um. And what happened? The phone company has demanded. The smartphone prize is a $600 smartphone. They've demanded that the person they awarded it to returned it. Have they? Have they, Stephen? And uh, they've said that it's conducting a further investigation into the matter. Strangely, though, the photographer who took the photo, his name is... Stephen Van Elk. 
the photographer who took the photo, his name is Aman Bargava. I mm-hmm. hope I'm pronouncing that right. He said that the winning submission, it's his photo taken with a DSLR and not a OnePlus smartphone, is still on Instagram and still attributed to the person who stole the photo from him. Even though the company has said they've demanded the smartphone back and they're conducting a further investigation into the matter, they still have the photo up attributed to someone other than him. And people are still reposting it because it's such a great photo on their Instagrams and attributing it to the person who stole it instead of him. Man. So. Oh my goodness. There is an update as of, as of, whoa, today, as of today. OnePlus has removed the photo from Instagram. Finally. Dang, I was about to rip on it. Yeah. And it it only took them a few days. Man. That that story went out on February 1st, and it wasn't until February 19th that they finally See, took the photo there's, down. There's, there's two morals to this story, listeners. A, don't just buy an iPhone. Don't mess around with these other phone manufacturers. You know, they can't even double check that a photo was taken with their own device before sharing it. What does that say about the technology in the phone? I mean, come on, guys. Uh, The second thing is don't even bother, you know, submitting to contests in general. Really, just it's just not even worth your time. Made a mistake, Dustin. I feel like I should confess to it after what you just said. Oh, no. I said I wasn't going to submit any photos at all to the shoot and share contest. Did you shoot and share it, Steven? And on the last day of the contest, Jen sent me an email and she's like, hey, I think you should submit these. I've already uploaded them. I signed into your account and uploaded them. So I went ahead and just, uh, you know, click the OK button or put them in the categories or whatever it was you're supposed to do with them. And uh, so I submitted like nine photos or something like that to the shoot and share contest. And now, now I'm getting emails every day saying, someone liked your photo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please log in and vote. And I have not uh, succumbed to the pressure of logging in and voting yet. But, oh man, I thought, I thought this year was going to be better for me. This year, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give in to this terrible thing. But no, I gave in to this terrible thing called the shoot and share contest, which... It's not a terrible thing. Like if you if you want to enter photos and like do it, it's fun. And you know, go ahead and have some fun. If you win, it's even better. If you place in the top 10% or the if you're like one of the top 30 photos or whatever the categories are, like it's good for you. Like they link to your site and people see your photos and they're like, "Oh, you know what you're doing with a camera." So, like all do all, all that all that stuff's good. Do you? The thing that's bad is that people who enter typically end up voting. And mm-hmm. if you are in the shoot and share group on Facebook, which I am, we, I, we pull questions from it quite a bit <laughs> for this podcast. We're making fun of people on our podcast who ask really bad questions. It's it's not always from the shoot and share group, but a lot of times it is. But in the shoot and share group, if you go in there during like the voting period, people will be like, I was voting all day long. I wanted to keep voting, but I couldn't because my daughter was home. So I let her vote while I made her dinner and stuff. And it's just like the voting is just it doesn't even like it's it's a popularity or maybe not even a popularity contest like (laughs) Somebody like broke it down last year. I forget where it was, but they were like breaking, breaking, breaking down what 
people like more in a photo and they found like if your photo is brighter than another photo it's more likely to be liked by people and then like they applied that to the shoot and share um contest and like saw that typically the photos winning were the bright brightest photos and stuff like that which means my photos will never win because i'm i'm not a bright and airy or light and airy sort of photographer and i'm okay with that but it's just more one of those like things where it's muddy like chocolate, chocolate oh yeah muddy. muddy chocolate that's that's me all the way mm-hmm. through but it's just one of those things where you look at it and you're like, if people are voting based on what they like more and what they like more tends to have less to do with the quality of the picture and more to do with how bright a picture is. What what are we even doing? Why are people spending hours and hours on this? And I mean, we talked about this last year, how it was ridiculous. People were saying like they let they let their toddler vote and stuff like that. And it's just like put no stock in this contest if you do well in it though like go ahead and post that on facebook and all over the place because people will love that you did well in it that means like toddlers really clients. like your yeah. stuff and those toddlers will be your clients and you know when they're out there looking to get their toddler photos taken toddlers and yeah. tiaras i guess for me what ruined that contest was when i would talk to photographers and they would get so excited about entering that contest. And because at first, it, when you glance at it, you're like, wow, this is a great concept. Until you hear other photographers say, yeah, all I do is I go on and I just click the same right corner or left corner until I find one of my photos. Or they say, I click all the bad photos so that my photos have a better chance of winning. And when I hear things like that, I'm like, you are completely corrupting the entire contest. But the contest exists to get people onto the shoot and share site, to buy into the shoot and share, like educational, all all the stuff they do other than the contest. And when they do this contest and people are literally on there voting for nine, 10 hours a day, Think about what that does for their SEO with Google. (laughs) Exactly. So what Stephen and I are here today to announce is that next year we will be releasing the beta of the drink and share photo contest brought to you by the Wedding Photo Hangover podcast. It'll only be pictures of drinks, no brides. Exactly. Or pictures you took while drinking or pictures of drunk brides. That's about the three categories we're looking for right now. But if you have other ideas, feel free to write us, DM us, you know, get us on the, on the Facebook. And uh, we're continuing to gather uh, with our beta testers. And um, yeah, we're, we're coming up with some great stuff for you guys, coming down the pipeline, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So That's what I like to hear. I think we made that same joke last year that we we're going to start our own contest just for the SEO benefits. And uh, we didn't do it, Dustin. We didn't do it. So. Still, It's still in beta. It's it is a beta. long beta. It's a long beta process. Trying uh, to get it to so alpha. La- last year was in alpha. Now it's in beta. Oh, wait. We'll alpha's where you start. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. wait. Come the on. Testing pro- okay. I'm not familiar with software, so. It's all right. That's what you got me here for. I, that's why you do a lot of the production editing, and I'm really working hard here on the contest that we're developing. <laughs> it's good to know. It's I love this beer, by the way. This is a good beer. Dustin, could you tell me a little bit more about that beer? I have mm-hmm. crapped on that beer before on this show. It's it's not a bad beer. It's just 
if I'm drinking bourbon barrel, I would rather go for like a dragon's milk, stone freaking wheat and wood style. Well, if you would ever come Stuff over, like that. we could try this beer that's in my refrigerator mm-hmm. that is just being begging me to drink that I got you for Christmas. But to continue my thought, uh, the Kentucky bourbon barrel is quite good compared to most other beers out there. It's just I in just the category like the of bourbon barrel body. ales, it's the most... It's the most palatable bourbon barrel ale to the yeah, general public. I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's the most accessible one and the most successful one, I believe. Does as well. Taxman have a bourbon barrel? I don't know. Probably. You know what's real good? That Scarlet Lane bourbon barrel. Oh man, that Eric Black. That one is not quite as palatable, but it's decent. <laughs> it's not as palatable, but it is quite powerful, and I like it a it's lot. It's very powerful. The Eric the Blood Axe Bourbon Barrel Aged Beer might be my favorite beer of all time. So last week we talked about the polar vortex sweeping the nation. Uh, So you, Stephen, wanted to talk a little bit about how you handle shooting in these kind of weather conditions. So I'd like to turn it over to weatherman Stephen Van Elk in Channel 35. Well, something I've been seeing people talk about a lot online in the past few weeks. No, is, no, no. You got you got to come in as your as your weatherman. You're blowing. You're on the streets, mm-hmm. man on the man on the streets. You got the wind, the wind and the rain and the snow and the sleet hitting you in the face. You're trying not to get blown away as two guys in their shorts are walking around playing basketball behind you. You got your parka on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, you got haven't it, eaten got in it, two it. days because everything's shut down. There it is. Okay, mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. feeling it now. Love I'll it. put the wind sound effect in. Okay. <laughs> Dustin, oh my gosh. I don't know if you can see this around me. There are literal cows blowing through the air. Uh, I'm S- weatherman Steve Van Elk standing in the middle of a tornado. No, th- Dustin, that sounded like you were doing a BJ. Are you doing a BJ to your microphone? I don't know what you're talking about. It is so windy over there that I literally feel like my hair is whipping back and forth. Just like that. That's a really rough BJ then. <laughs> I feel bad for that microphone. Ah, oh, Steven. <laughs> I feel bad for that Kentucky bourbon barrel ale too. <laughs> mm. Don't feel bad for good old KBBA. So, a lot of people have been asking about how to shoot in cold weather. And we've mm-hmm. kind of talked about this before, but... So Jen and I have shot a lot of weddings outside in the cold mm-hmm. in the middle of winter. Uh, last year we shot on a day when it was like negative 15 here in Indiana outside. Mm-hmm. And the bride, the bride wanted to do photos outside in her dress without wearing a coat or anything. So we had to develop a system to keep her warm where she had brought like a fur, like a, a, f- a fake fur thing that she was wearing but it wasn't like a, like, it was like a scarf almost. It wasn't a jacket. So we had to, like, develop a system where we held a jacket right out of frame and then, like, quickly rushed and put the jacket around her as soon as we got the shot done. And so I was just kind of looking for, like, more tips like that that we could give to people. I know one time Jen and I were shooting and Jen's very first wedding, actually, and I, I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but her very first wedding, it was a negative... I think it felt like negative 20 outside or something like that. And it was just like super dark and gross. 
and she had to go outside to do family photos after it was dark for some reason. I don't remember what it was. It was, it was her first wedding ever that she shot. So it was, you know, seven, eight years ago. And I was doing video inside and she came inside to tell me her flash stopped working and then went back outside or when she came inside, we tested the flash and it was working. She went back outside and it immediately stopped working again. So I had to go outside with her and cut my hands around the flash to keep the batteries warm because what was happening was the batteries are getting too cold so that she could get the pictures. And it was, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible for my hands. And then we've just had several other occasions like that where it's gotten so cold, the batteries have gotten too cold in our cameras and our cameras haven't worked. And so there have been several shoots where I've been taking the batteries out of the camera, putting them in my hands, and then blowing on them with my breath while they're in my hands to try to get the batteries back up to a temperature where they'll work again so we can snap a few more shots. Have you ever had to deal with anything like that? No, I I mean, I've shot outdoors in the sub-zero weather conditions. In fact, I was on my way to a shoot the other day, and I was on the phone with my mother, who uh, lives in South Carolina, and I was telling her what the temperature was, and I was like, "Oh, it's uh, it's 15, you know fifteen, and I was like negative fifteen, mm-hmm. as if like we live in a place where I have to specify positive and negative." Yeah, and then she said, "Probably if you have to specify if the temperature is." either positive or negative, you probably should move. <laughs> like I, I like did. your mom. Yeah, that's, that's smart. Smart. Yeah. But now, Steve, what I don't understand about that story you just shared about putting batteries in your hands, why not just stick that Canon battery down your pants and let that natural body heat warm those batteries? And I'm just, I would love to see the bride's face when you walk outside and you reach your hand down your pants you're like, hold on, hold on, got to get my battery. And you just whip it out, toss her in. It's all warm, good to go. I think you just answered your own question. What? When you said, put my hand down my pants and whip it out, I, I think I think that's, that's why I wouldn't do that. I, no, that's why you should do it, Stephen. For us, the listeners of the Wedding Photo <laughs> Hangover podcast. You know, you know what I'm saying? That, Dustin, have you ever considered doing that? Yes, now I have. Right now you are. You have brought this to my attention. Next time I'm in sub-zero wedding conditions and I'm outside and I'm concerned about the well-being of my camera batteries, I'm just going to stick them down my pants. This is the worst idea I've ever heard you have. You have like a top half to your body. Why don't you stick it in your shirt somewhere or like in your coat? You have an inside Mm. pocket in your coat, stick it in the inside pocket. Do you know how many layers are covering your lower half? On a wedding day, opposed to your upper half, not enough. Exactly. Nah, it's cold down there for us guys. It's a uh, one, one more battery is just gonna electrify. Just like a button down there. <laughs> I, I I would like to go ahead and say never stick a battery down your pants. What if it's so cold that the battery bursts? Now you have acid down there, Dustin. Mm, wouldn't be the first time. You're gonna be Anyways. like Two Face, just with your junk, junk face, <laughs> junk face. So if you ever if you have a friend named Junk Face. Now you know where you got that name. You're like, ah, I knew a guy in college named Junkface, and I always wondered where that nickname came from. I was just planning on going back and cutting out everything you said about sticking a battery down your pants. Now I can't. <laughs> so without further ado, let's cross over into the drone zone.
I did have a friend who was shooting last week, and he was flying his drone to do some drone stuff, and the drone uh, froze up and fell out of the sky because it was so cold. How far did it fall? Uh, thankfully, he wasn't like super high up because he wasn't sure the threshold mm-hmm. of the drone because it says it can like handle to like freezing, mm-hmm. which but, is thirty two degrees Fahrenheit or zero if you're in Canada or UK. Right, and it was like negative twenty, I believe, the day he was flying. So it was definitely pretty cold. It was so cold that the when he did take off, the blades were so brittle that they uh, one of them broke. That's a on good his Mavic. That's a good indication you shouldn't be flying if your blades just break because it's so cold. Well, it like yeah, he hit something and it just like shattered like glass. I guess he lost control of it because it was so cold. But yep, uh, so that's why I just tell brides if it's so cold. We're just not going to do the wedding today, guys. We are <laughs> it's just too cold. We did an elopement outside negative, I think, 17 last year in January. And um, it was it was so uncomfortable, unbearable. Um, bride got amazing photos. She's happy. She's thrilled. But I think I lost a little piece of my dignity. And a few and fingers. The- a few layers of skin. And half your junk face. Half my junk face. But, um, yeah. Anyways, as far as tips go, I mean, glo- I, I found that, sn- I think we talked about this last time, but in case you're new to the show, uh, snowboarding gloves, like the liners, mm-hmm. I, I buy Burton ones because they have the grip and then they also have like the iPhone fingertips. Uh, so you can still use your phone. But those are really great. They're really warm, but they're super flexible because they're meant to be mobile while you're snowboarding. And they're meant to go inside a thicker glove while you're snowboarding. But then the ability to take it out of a glove and still be protected. Mm-hmm. And so I treat that as good enough for me when it comes to combating the cold weather while holding a metal camera on a wedding day what's your feelings on fingerless gloves uh kind of defeats the purpose in my opinion it keeps more of your extremities warm i tend to honestly go with my right hand i'll go gloveless Mm -hmm. and i'll just have a glove on my left hand kind of like a little michael jackson type style yeah ow call me the the one one gloved man. Ow! So I was wearing fingerless gloves while doing some shoots last year in the freezing cold. And Jen gave me a real hard time. She said, I didn't look like a professional photographer. I looked like a homeless person. What? Did you cut the fingers off the gloves? We don't need to go over that part, Dustin. We don't okay. need to talk about how the gloves were made. Fingerless. Did you did you cut these out of socks? Were these socks that were on your hands? Oh you cut gosh. the whole... The tips off of? They were gloveless mittens. <laughs> I just cut gloveless a hole for my thumb mittens. and then uh, cut the top off. Oh my goodness. No, they, they were gloves that I cut. They, <laughs> gloves that I cut. Um, they so were the, they were the stretchy. They were the stretchy ones, Dustin. The stretchy ones, okay? Mm-hmm. We're, we're all good. You know? They went up to the first knuckle. It's all good. Gotcha. Gotcha. Apparently, that's not a good professional look. 
I was like, so what, what am is? I supposed to Did you to ask wear? Jennifer what is a good professional look? Well, I have leather driving gloves. Well, fake leather driving gloves. Let's let's leather, not get too leather bu- bougie gloves. here. But yeah, fake leather driving gloves that I, I guess I could have worn, but they just don't. Like, I, I need my fingers out when I'm shooting. I need to be able to feel that camera. I can't shoot yeah. if I can't feel. I need to. I need my extremities to hang out too while I'm shooting. I really need the fresh, cool air, the mountain breeze on me. You know what I mean? So that way, when I I need to switch aperture or shutter speed, I just click it real fast with those extremities. Not much hanging out when it's that cold, though. It kind of shrivels up inside you. I mean, speak for yourself, really. I'm I'm speaking for all men. I'm advocating for them. I'm not really seeing that problem. That really, you know, pills, they make pills for that. But anyways, um, moving on. Um, It's very cold in the pool. Is it? That's what George said. Depends on the pool. Yeah. This is what I would say. One thing Jen and I have done since that very first wedding where the flashes stopped working is we've started buying hand warmers when it's going to be really cold out. And you just Mm -hmm. break... The, the hand warmers, you break them apart and then like it heats up your hands. So you just break them apart. Like I mean, you don't break them actually apart like a little plastic you baggy thing. But you like eat you, them, right? Yeah, it's like a salad thing and you break <laughs> it up and then it provides heat for like four to six hours or something like that. So mm-hmm. you, you just take one of those and you put it on the flash and then put a rubber band around it. So your batteries stay warm. And you can do that on your DSLR too if you need to. So that way your gear keeps working. Or you could just use professional equipment and then you don't run into that problem. Oh, I'd love to see the person who's never run into that problem when it's like negative 15, negative 20 out, you know? Yeah. 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 Does professional equipment usually come with like a little space heater <laughs> inside of it? Uh, it's, a, it's a little elf. He stays inside. His you name is Nikon. A, a gas. His name is Nikon the elf. A gas power generator on your back. A and propane just, uh, tank. He has a propane tank. And he's blowing heat on those those Sanyo batteries or PowerX or whatever whatever I'm using these days. And he's like, stay warm, batteries. Dustin must keep shooting. You're using third-party batteries in your Nikons? Your Nikons? Opposed to Nikon brand batteries? I don't know. Does Nikon make their own batteries? Canon does. No. Canon has no. Canon brand batteries. What? Says who? There's like official batteries made by Canon that they sell. Mm, I challenge you on that one. I would say 99.9% of people are not using Canon brand batteries in their speed lights. Oh, in their speed lights? No, I was talking about DSLRs. Yeah, you're, you're right. right. In speed lights, no. Speed lights, it's whatever. Yeah. I thought you were talking about your DSLR. I was so confused. No. Only name brand unless I'm shooting Sony. Sanyo? What the hell is that? Sanyo is who makes Enelope, which is the most pow- popular Why rechargeable Why don't you just say Enelope then? Isn't it in a loop? Enelope, Enelope. Antelope. Marshmallow, Marshmallow, you know, whatever. Jeez, you got no good tips and tricks, Dustin. Jeez, what, what do people come here for? Not Dustin. Jeez. No, no. What Dustin does Don't. actually is he brings a little little uh, flask full of gasoline or Everclear, you know, whatever you want, and uh, some kindling. And if his camera starts to fail, he just uh, puts a kindling in a little pile, dumps the Everclear or gasoline on it, and uh, lights a match, puts the camera next to it, warms it right up. Sometimes if he's feeling like the camera really needs that heat, he just puts the gasoline straight on the camera, lights the match, and uh, lets the camera burn for a little bit. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. It's professional uh, gear, I, so it's fire resistant, right? Being that it's that time of year, Steven, 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 moving on, 
um, that we're trying to boost SEO and kind of work on websites, retool the system. Um, how do you incentivize couples to go online? Where online do you have them go to leave you some sweet, sweet reviews? Uh, Jen and I mostly focus on Facebook and Google. Okay. Why? Because that, that was my has traditionally brought us new clients, Facebook and Google. So <laughs> and we're Instagram. focusing less on Facebook and more on Google now. Can you leave reviews on Instagram, Dustin? Is there an Instagram uh, review page? There is Insta Stories uh, in which you can create little albums of Insta Stories in category format. Um, and what I've been seeing other photographers doing is having couples record little video reviews. Yeah, you talked about this before. And I know. How did that go for you? I've not done it yet. I was hoping for some inspiration from you. I think it's a terrible idea. That's why I'm not doing it. Guess I'll have to do it and prove you wrong. Go for it, bud. See, people don't trust reviews like that because... It's on the photographer's page. The photographer's only going to put the good reviews there. People trust reviews that come on Facebook, Google, other places, because it's on a third-party thing that the photographer doesn't control, so they can see bad reviews on there as well. But where I can feel like I can contradict you a little bit is... You can't. If the couple sees the couple in video format actually saying things candidly that aren't scripted or just off the cuff about their experience. This isn't a review, Dustin. This is called a testimonial. A testimonial. Oh. But if you label it reviews... Yeah, yeah, you can do whatever you want. I could uh, post a bunch of photos of my toilet and label it reviews from my clients that doesn't make it reviews. (laughs) Kind of does, though. It feels honest. Uh, It'd be selfies of me in the bathroom. That's what it would mostly be. That's so how do you brand. feel about Stephen Van Elk? Here's a picture of my toilet. I just had meatloaf, let me tell you. Wow, I didn't say there's anything in the toilet, Dustin. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't either. I just am telling you what I had for dinner. All right, meatloaf. <laughs> what you imply from there is between you and the coffee I drank. If you post video reviews on your own Instagram, you're not posting reviews, you're posting testimonials. That is a proven marketing tactic that works, but that's oh, not so reviews. Now you've, come, you've come around, you like the idea now. No, I'm not as coming long around. As I call it I'm, testimonials I'm, and I call it, <laughs> I don't call it reviews. You said, where should couple leave reviews? And then you pitched doing testimonials, not reviews. That's, That's where I came Dustin down on you. Dustin yeah. punch. Yeah. <laughs> Come in saying one thing, and then we flip the script on you, Steve. <laughs> that is definitely the Dustin, yeah. Leave something out that you don't actually, and then wait till Steve says something, and then be like, actually, I meant this. Now that Steve's yes. showing me how he's going to make fun of me for this. So you would encourage me to do testimonials on my Instagram page. Yeah, do testimonials everywhere. Get all the testimonials you can get. Uh, Doesn't would you say people should put reviews on the Knot or Wedding Wire? Should they be asking their clients for reviews there? Um, I think it really depends on your market and how you use those if you use those outlets i do not use those outlets and the moment you get a 
review on there, I feel like they start calling you like crazy to get you to advertise on the Knot and Wedding Wire. So, I don't know. For me, I feel like I don't get anything from the Knot or Wedding Wire. No one in my market is using those resources to find their wedding professionals, to my knowledge. So, yeah. To answer your question, I'm not in a big enough market that the Knot and Wedding Wire really like to invest in. Mm-hmm. I wish they did because I feel like they are powerful services when couples are using them. But if nobody in my area advertises with them, then nobody finds value in using them as a wedding planning tool. Ipso facto, nobody will advertise on them. It's kind of like a continuous snake that eats itself sort of deal. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought it up because recently I've been seeing a lot of posts on Reddit, people complaining about the knot and wedding wire and how they've been working on getting a ton of reviews on there. And then they've been paying to be listed on the first page of the knot or the first page of wedding wire. And recently the knot apparently reconfigured their front first page results and bumped people who paid for the first page back to the second page. Hmm. And I saw multiple people complaining about this from all over the United States of America on Reddit. It was, uh, it was crazy. Did not see this on any sort of like uh, wedding photography websites or anywhere, but the general idea that seemed to be coming across from these things was that the not claimed they had bumped people back to the second page for SEO reasons, but the people were saying the front page were like giant studios that were in their city or town. So it sounds like they were optimizing for the people who could pay them the most money to pay them the most money to be on the front page and bumping people who had maybe paid for the front page back to the, a second page, which they didn't call the second page. They still called the front page. That other page was a landing page is what mm. people were saying. So it's a landing page for the market. And then they were on the first page though of the search results for the market. And it's like, but if you do a search for the market, you come up to the landing page and then the first page, like it doesn't make any sense from a mm. customer point of view or from, you know, the person paying to be listed on the front page point of view. Yeah. That's why I don't even mess with them. It's just a cluster. Well, they're not own sweating wire now or vice versa. Right. Mm, that, do they? Yeah. So it's even worse now. Mm. Cause they also own like Martha Stewart weddings and just like a crap ton of other wedding outlets. Which is why Dustin and I are announcing that it is officially in beta, the wedding photo hangover (laughs) client listing vendor machine. Uh, It's launching right alongside our shooting or drink and share photo contest. Yeah. It's called the Wedding Hangover Network. Yeah. Um, It's a very exclusively inexclusive network for people who want to find wedding vendors who will be drinking on before at or after their wedding event unfortunately dustin and i cannot be listed on this site as neither one of us drinks on during or after events so exactly precisely um so if you guys want to get in on the beta just jump on anchor.fm slash wedding hangover (laughs) and feel free to donate (laughs) 9.99 yep and we will uh, put you on the the waiting list for the uh the beta there Please don't do this. I do not want to find out how I have to go about refunding people money. Please don't do this. Or do, you know. 
Do not, do not, do, do not listen to Dustin. Or, or do. Let's see. Uh, we get most of our reviews on Facebook. As if, if somebody's like, oh, can I leave your review? Where do you want it to go? Uh, we try to push them towards Facebook. Um, and recently we've been trying to do some Googling. Uh, somebody told me that the algorithm for Google, Google Maps especially, tended to favor the person with the most reviews as far as how they rank the listings. And so I tried a test and I got like 10 reviews in one day and I jumped to the top of the list. So I, I seem like it, that, that theory was true. So if you are trying to gain, um, some SEO, getting reviews on your Google listing, as in like your Google maps listing, I believe, mm-hmm. is that what you would call it? Yes. And it's there like is your a tr- Google business or whatever. And there is a trick to creating like a shortcut and I'll, I'll try to remember that and look that up uh, link so that you can send that to clients and it will um, direct them right to the review segment of that page. Cause it can be kind of tricky to find, mm-hmm. but yeah, it is a powerful tool. Uh, Facebook for us is a little diluted, but we have some bad reviews on there that are just ridiculous. So I saw today a wedding photographer posting on Twitter that she had posted a photo to her Facebook business page. And it was a beautiful photo, night shot, uh, with like flash behind a couple in front of like a fountain sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And only 10 people saw the photo. Yeah. Ask me when the last time I posted on my Facebook business page was. Jen and I post our Facebook business page whenever we like update our blog usually with wedding stuff. And we used to get so many likes, so many comments, and now it's like nothing. And that's kind of the way our Instagrams are going, too. I figured it was only a matter of time. Yeah. it's. uh, I mean, last time I got on Instagram, the first thing I saw was an ad, and then somebody's photo, and then another ad, and then somebody's photo, somebody's photo, and then another ad. So Instagram, Facebook, they are, they're pushing all of your content down in favor of showing people ads. So unless you have a lot of money to spend, I don't recommend really investing in them right now. Mm-hmm. Personally, I keep hearing people saying they're booking so many clients from Instagram. But then when I really say like, oh, who, who did you book? They're always like, oh, and they never have like any actual clients that they booked. So I don't know what that's all about. Uh, I know for Jen and I, we we get like one to two serious inquiries from Instagram every year. Then a bunch of Jeff Bezos dick pics. You know what I'm saying? Got to get those. Yeah. Got to get them, bud. <laughs> you don't know about that story, do you, Dustin? What? Jeff Bezos. He's got dick pics. No, I did not. He cheated on his wife. I assume something happened. And his uh, his his texts were stolen, sent to the National Enquirer, and they published them. Possibly the National Enquirer paid somebody to illegally hack his phone and steal them. And there's like in the middle of a big, they're doing a bunch of research into what actually happened because there's no way they should have the photos. And uh, his wife's divorcing him and... Then the National Enquirer said, hey, look, if you don't stop posting about how 
we have ties to Donald Trump and to Saudi Arabia uh, in the Washington Post, your paper, and letting your people write about this and write about the connections between us and Donald Trump and Saudi Arabia, we are going to release the dick pics. Yeah. And Jeff Bezos wrote a blog post on Medium and said, I'm not going to be bullied by the National Enquirer. So here are all the emails. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, the best was in one of the emails the National Enquirer sent him, they said they didn't include attachments to the photos, but they said, just so you know what we have, we have these photos. And it was like, they didn't want to say we have your dick pics. So instead they said, like, we have a photo of you in a bathroom in front of a mirror with your wedding band on and you're below the belt area showing. I was hoping it was a eggplant emoji. We have a photo of you with your wedding wearing on and your shirt off and your pants unzipped and you're below the belt area poking through your unzipped pants. Sounds like he should uh, maybe back those photos up to like Amazon cloud services. (laughs) Yeah, that's where the CIA entrusts their stuff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have just left it on an Android phone. There you go. One of those Amazon phones. <laughs> Did those exist? I thought I thought they were, did so poorly Fire. that they just got rid of them. No, that's just tablets now. Oh, I don't the know. Fire phones were, were so poorly received that they just got rid of them. They don't sell them anymore. Let's do some Q&A. But, but Steve. Dustin, the very first question we have comes from Joshua Withers from our very own Facebook group. I'm Mm -hmm. not even a wedding photographer, Joshua says, but this kills me. It's not even the girl's fault. It's so commonly accepted to screenshot photos and text them to people. Somebody screenshotted a photo and texted it to him. But what is everyone doing to lovingly, kindly, forcefully educate couples to download the high-res photos to share instead of screenshotting and texting uh nothing joshua to be quite honest with you you're not doing anything dustin do you care about the quality of your photos do you care about the quality that your prospective clients see your photos at do you want them to see a screenshot steve 100 percent. i care that is why i give them a usb drive They don't even have the option of screenshotting because I don't send them the photos in some web gallery format that they would resort to such a asinine way of sharing. And if they do screenshot from our web gallery that we have for their friends and family, our logo is blazoned across the middle of the photo. So if they share that, I'm getting all kinds of marketing and advertising for free, Joshua. Uh, I think this is what Joshua is getting at. You're getting marketing and advertising of blurry photos <laughs> with your logo across it. My logo if is you, crisp and clean. If you want blurry photos like this one, hire Dustin McKibben Photography. Hey. It was good enough for them to share. It's good enough for the people of their IQ level to receive. Wow. Whoa. whoa. Can we back that up? It's good enough for the people of their IQ level to receive. Is that where you're, are you saying stupid people do this? I'm, I say nothing. I'm smart people, dumb people. Everybody's great. 
Everybody's great. You know what I mean? Sorry, I got a little Trumpy there for a second. No, I wanted you to continue. It was a great impression. I thought it was very, it's probably going to be very That's well received. K- yeah. Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. Speaking yeah. there. Donald Trump's favorite beer, the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel <laughs> Ale. You know what beer he doesn't like? The New Holland Dragon's Milk. That's right. Beer taken straight from the dragon's teeth. So do you educate your clients when you send over that sweet pass gallery? Do you say, hey guys, just so you know, I love it when you screenshot these and post them to the Instagram. No, no I, I, why would I say I love it when you screenshot? I don't want them to screenshot them, Dustin. So do you tell them not to screenshot them? I, I say you can download them and then you'll have them at full resolution. Or if you really don't feel like taking that extra step. They can download them straight to their phone. No, they can download the whole gallery straight to their phone. Okay. Why, why would so. they need to screenshot? The only people screenshotting are people who are like, I can't figure out how to get this USB drive to plug into my phone, so I'm going to screenshot <laughs> this gallery. My iPhone doesn't take USB. Yeah, exactly, Dustin. I don't Dustin. this asinine technology. Yeah, exactly, Dustin. I'm so glad you came around on this. <laughs> That's why, Stephen, our USB drives are thunder. Fires, whatever Lightning? the iPhone takes. Lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not a real thing. That's not made. No, no, you can't. You cannot get a lightning adapter for a USB. Oh, really? I've got one around here somewhere. You do not. I do. I do. The only way to get it. files onto your iPhone is to download them directly there. You cannot sideload stuff from a hard drive. Joshua, I don't think there's a loving way to tell your clients not to uh, screenshot photos and text them. What you have to do is just tell them, hey, I sent you the good, good photos at high resolution. They're all there for you and all of your friends. No, not your friends. They're all there for you to download and personally use and personally share. But you cannot Mm -hmm. put those out into the world. Look at that link I sent you, Stephen. As screenshots, because screenshots are... You totally broke my thought. I had a thing I was going to say. <laughs> then you sent me this damn thing. <sighs> USB flash drive, 128 gigabytes, Sunani memory stick, external storage compatible with iPhone, PC, oh, iPad. Oh, mm, mm, mm-hmm. You're welcome. You can ditch pass now and just put all your stuff on this. This doesn't let you move stuff to your phone. It lets you play things off this drive on your phone. It does not let you move things to your phone. Ah, Dustin. All right, so this is doesn't do what you thought it would do. Thank you for <laughs> destroying the whole podcast and making me go and look this stupid thing up. <sighs> Sorry, Steve. I'm just glad that we now know it doesn't actually work the way you thought it did, so... Dustin, so your only thing to say is send them a USB drive and that's it. You're done. Mm -hmm. You out. Bum. Done. People are going to do stuff like this. It goes back to the same conversation about how do you educate clients on not to filter photos on Instagram. I mean, they're going to do it. Tell them don't do it. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it kind of thing. It is what it is occupational hazard Mm -hmm. all right it is what it is tough shit photographers everywhere uh i mean i think one time i had somebody post a photo 
uh, that was super pixelated or blurry or whatever because they used like a low res. Somehow the photo got super low res. And what I did is I emailed or texted them a high res version of the photo. And I said, hey, I saw you posted a photo and it looks really crappy. I thought, I've got nothing better to do than help you out. Here is a high resolution photo. I even went ahead and I copy and pasted the caption and hashtags you used below so that all you have to do is delete your post, you idiot, and then repost this with copy and paste and then let me know if I can help you further. How did they respond to this passive aggressive thing you sent them? I said, oh my gosh, Justin, thank you so much. I don't know how it got so pixelated. Probably because I took a screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot. I don't know. I can't remember. This was a while ago. A screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot. Yeah, we we're on the right track here. I think they like somehow pulled down like a thumbnail of the photo versus like the full photo or something. <laughs> Off of, you know, like Facebook when it's like used to be the before they had it where you click the photo and then it got really big. Yeah. If you pull the photo like directly off the timeline, it was like a smaller version. Yeah. Of the photo. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's what they did. I want to see receipts for this one. Uh, show me those texts. Yeah. Yeah. That was like four phones ago. <laughs> I have to ask the inquirer to hack into my phone. <laughs> All right. Christina Dyke from our very own Facebook group asks, how do you politely ask a photographer for the full res pictures? My aunt just got married and the photographer sent the pics via screen grab through Facebook. She's pretty disappointed. They are fairly blurry. How do you even navigate this conversation? Well, uh, I think as Dustin just pointed out, what you do is you don't navigate the conversation. You just upload the extremely blurry pictures to your social media, tag that photographer all over them, say, these are the best, most high quality versions of the photos I was given. If you get photos from this photographer, they will look just as amazing, just as crisp and sharp. You're going to love it. And then just sit back and wait. (laughs) Exactly. And if Dustin is the photographer you're going to get a passive-aggressive text with a high-res photo. <laughs> and with your caption, copy and pasted, all your hashtags, copy and pasted. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be perfect. Some may say golden. Alicia Semrock from our very own Facebook group. Oh, did you want to go back over the... Did, what, did you have any other advice to give to Christina? Um, I would just politely ask. I mean, it's, people are... I think sometimes people forget photographers are humans. I know we're very godly individuals and some people treat us as deities. Um, But at the end of the day, like Stephen and I, we're just mere men drinking beer. And if someone sends us a politely well-written email, we'll probably say no. But there is a chance (laughs) that we might send you full res pictures my big question with this would be what does it say in your aunt's contract because if her contract doesn't say she'll get the high res photos then you can ask but you're not going to get them more than likely so it's best to do the uh the passive aggressive ransom thing that i mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. that makes dustin cave every time every time 
just make sure you post every photo from the wedding. And if they just yeah. send you like a few of the photos in high res, then you know, put those photos at the bottom of the post and at the top, put the blurry ones and be like, oh, I could switch it out if only I had all the full res. And then ask them if they can send you a PNG of their watermark because you'd love to add their logo to the photos you're posting online because you really want them to be represented fairly. No, just take that, uh, just, just... <laughs> Just go ahead and take their logo, make your own PNG out of it and slap that on. You don't want to go through them first. Yeah. You're doing them a favor here. And then uh, jump onto their their Google and their Facebook and uh, just give them a one-star review and be like blurry pictures sent through Facebook screen grabs. And you could be, even go the extra mile and be the super dick and be like, Thanks so much for those blurry Facebook screen grabs, even though I know your contract didn't say you're going to give us high-res photos, but I was kind of expecting more. Yeah, just lay it on thick with that passive-aggressive tone. Maybe make a video review and just send it to them to post to their Instagram. (laughs) Because Steve loves video reviews. Yeah. As long as you don't call it a testimonial. You got to get those testimonials, Dustin. You got to get those testimonials. It's so important. Even a bad one could, you know, help seal the deal with a potential client, right? Seal the deal. Alicia Simrock from our very own Facebook group asked, does anyone have separate contracts slash priceless for certain cultural weddings? I'm trying to determine how to organize my documents to be fully inclusive for any type of wedding celebration, but it gets so tricky when there are multiple celebratory days, rituals, and ceremonies to include in one package. I'm super excited to be working on a Punjabi wedding package right now, learning lots as I go, but any tips on navigating multi-day celebrations as a photographer would be awesome. So, what tips you got? Mm-hmm. Raise your price. Triple it? Yeah. <laughs> Triple it. If you're working with somebody who has a multi-day wedding then mm-hmm. you just need to specify in your contract that the rates you currently have are for one day. So if you say they get unlimited coverage, you just need to say unlimited coverage for one day. You can't say unlimited coverage because, I mean, then they could be like, well, the coverage was unlimited. So I'm expecting you to come to our first son's brisk as well. We want to get some real good shots of him getting his skin cut off. So is that what happens at a brisk? I think it's a tea ritual where ah. they make brisk tea. Oh, that's brisk, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you have to specify in your contract that it's only going to be one day because you don't want to be, say, I'll do an unlimited coverage wedding photography pa- package and then have them say, well, the coverage is unlimited and the, it's multiple days for the wedding. Do you have any unlimited coverage packages that don't specify a cutoff? You know, uh, we have a unlimited hour package. It's around six thousand dollars, and um, we have used it to entice uh, multi-day weddings, where we say if you book us uh, for our unlimited hour package, we will cover two days. Uh, plus, then you have to pay for the third day, kind of thing. Mm. See, Jen and I say you can use our unlimited coverage package for one day of <laughs> of your wedding. Extra days will cost more money. We we don't get suckered into this game you're playing, Dustin. 
Yeah, but for $6,000, I feel like I'm happy to come on a Friday or Sunday. For how many hours on a Friday or Sunday? As many as they need me, man. Dustin, are you running a business or are you running a charity? Uh, I'm... I mean, it's a business, but it's a business that loves love and it respects love and it understands people don't necessarily have unlimited funds. And I don't want to punish their culture for their beliefs um, because they need multiple days documented. And anything I can do, Stephen, to help them with that, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you might feel differently. You might not love love and you might just love the dollar and... Mm, I worship the dollar. The dollar is my God, Dustin. I pray to the dollar every night. I say, dollar, please bless this family, dollar. Please bless this business, dollar. Dollar, almighty dollar, what can you bring to me, dollar? Is that why, is that why on Sundays on Sundays I catch you going to the dollar tree uh, to mm. worship? <laughs> I go to the dollar tree to worship. Then if I don't feel like I've worshiped hard enough, I go to the dollar general. And, you know, if I still don't feel like I really got it, I go to the dollar store. Uh, You know, I got to get all the dollars in. Um, I can't be a one dollar man. You know, I don't even know why that's funny. (laughs) I just want to be a multi-dollar heir. Okay. Multi-single dollar heir. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so typically what we do is... If I know in advance that it's going to be a multicultural wedding, uh, multi-day affair, um, I just simply raise our prices up and then negotiate down from there. Um, Because most of the time, those weddings, they think they need unlimited hours every single day. But really at the core, they only need like four, maybe five hours uh, on two of the days that aren't the main event. Um, so there's a lot of negotiating that goes into multi-day events for us. So the last time we had a multi-day event, Jen sold them, I believe it was our unlimited package for the actual day of like the big event where like the actual ceremonies happened because it was a Christian and Hindu ceremony like on the same day. Mm-hmm. So they do the Hindu ceremony in the morning typically and then the Christian ceremony in the afternoon slash evening. Mm-hmm. And then like they serve lunch in between the ceremonies and then dinner after the Christian ceremony. Like it's, it's a lot of fun, but it is a long day. So then for the other days, because uh, you could be there if it's a Saturday wedding for those ceremonies, you could be there on Thursday, on Friday, and then again on Sunday for different events that they want coverage for. So Jen then sells the other day's events at just like an hourly cost typically, because as Dustin was saying, they typically only need you there for a few hours. They don't need you there for like full day coverage or like even six to eight hour coverage they don't need you for. So it's usually just like two to three hours on each one of those days. One of the exceptions with, I believe with a Punjabi wedding, the night before they have like a pretty big ceremony, which could be like four to five hours of coverage that you would need. So that might be like you send, sell them like the big package for the actual day. And then for that day you sell them, you know, maybe like your lowest package basically. But since you are doing multiple days, as Dustin said, you can knock some money off of the prices. So they're not paying like what they, what you would charge somebody who was trying to book you on that day for a different event or ceremony. Cause you know, you're going to make your money. So you can give them a little bit of a break because you know, it's guaranteed money. Yep. And you know, it's better to have money than to not have money. And 
Alicia probably wouldn't get this, but you know, when you're praying to George Washington, you know, you just got to ask for the, the, those big dollars to come in. What, what do they call George Washington's up in uh, Canada? Georgian Washington's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't even have bills with $1 on them, right? They just got coins up there. Yeah, it's because their cost of living is much higher than ours. Mm-hmm. Is that a loony? Is it a loony? Yeah, you pray to the loony. Get your loony out and pray to your loony. Get loony up in here. You gotta get crazy for that dollar. Dustin. I gotta go gotta go to bed. Yeah, me too. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast with Dustin and Steve. If you want to help us out, jump on iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a five-star review. If you want to connect or six, you can find six. us on Facebook and Instagram at Wedding Photo Hangover or on Twitter at WedPick Hangover. Dustin is on Instagram at Dustin underscore Mick. Kevin and Steven is at Steven Van Elk. If you want to get involved with the awesome community of listeners, join the Wedding Hangover Facebook group. If you really want to warm our hearts, though, head on over to anchor.fm slash wedding photo hangover. And you can sign up to support us for as little as 99 cents a month. That's less than it would cost to buy us a cup of coffee every month. Less than it would cost to buy us a beer every month. Well, unless that beer is a PBR, you might be able to get those for less than a dollar. It's extremely helpful to us, though, and to the making of this podcast. Keeping us in beers, you know what I'm saying? Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time your head is pounding. Your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being aches for the sweet embrace of death. That's right next Sunday after you shoot another wedding. Dun-dun-dun. So, Ian at Steve's house has his first credit on imdb he beat his old man out i don't have a credit on imdb yet yeah what have you been doing with your life you went to film school i went to video production college (laughs) 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 i didn't make it to film school to film university i I mean anyways enough about you tell us about ian at steve's house ian is going to be in an adaptation of the stephen king short story popsy really yeah and is I can it, officially say that out? because it is on IMDb now. Before, I don't think we were allowed to say anything. But someone who was not us put it up. So the news is broken. Ian's just an extra in one scene. He's like a, in, in the background. And uh, the only reason he's in it is because we're friends with the producer's sister. You're friends with the producer's sister too, Dustin. But they didn't need no. kids as young as yours. So I see how it is. Yeah. My my question though is it has him listed as the casino kid (laughs) but you film this in muncie at ball state i believe now this is crazy thing they do in movie studios dustin where they actually take a blank area with just like white walls black walls whatever and then they create a space to resemble uh something else out in the real world so they put they built a fake casino inside ball state I'm sure I I did not get to go in and look at the room. The set was closed. So I just waited outside while my son went in for the filming. And uh, I'm sure it was probably just like a table, like a craps table or something. And or some sort of gambling sort of station. And then behind was just darkness. And then there are like some flashy lights or something to give it that casino-ish vibe of everything's dark and you can't see outside because they're trying to trap you in and take all your money from you. Gotcha. Interesting. So how did it go? How did you do? You did great. Uh, The director was super nice. Uh, Came out afterwards, said a lot of really great things about Ian and the other kids who were in there. I was a little bit afraid 
that the director would be kind of a huge a-hole, but he wasn't. He was a super, super great guy. And the whole crew that we met while we were there, they're all super nice people too. So, Plus, cool. it was all shot at my alma mater, Ball State University, in the David Letterman building. So it's great to go back and actually see that building since that building didn't exist. Did they film the whole movie there? I do not believe so. I believe they were doing like studio location stuff there, but I think they were doing other stuff because part of the short, like the, the novel is basically a guy is down on his luck gambling. He's, he's got tons of debt from gambling. So he ends up kidnapping kids and ransoming, ransoming the kids for money to try to pay off his debts. And then he ends up kidnapping a kid who said and the kid tells him his popsy is not going to like it and the guy just thinks oh it's a weird kid and popsy is like the name of his grandparent or something and popsy turns out to be something supernatural so uh and the guy is like driving away in a van so i'm sure they did some stuff outside of the studio as well but i don't really know because i wasn't involved with anything other than the brief moments that my son was there on set gotcha Cool. Yeah. I mean, they could have gone to Anderson, Indiana. There's a casino there, but that's what I was like. can't control that situation. All right. I got to go. Got to go to bed. Got a big day tomorrow. Got a lot of shooting not to do and a lot of editing that needs to be done. But you don't edit. You can just say house stuff. People people know you're moving to a new house, right? You post it on Facebook and on your Instagram and stuff. You can say it on the Uh, podcast. I don't want people to think, you know that we're making too much money at this podcast that I've been able to afford to build a house and move. I don't want them to stop giving. Yeah. Our podcast, which pays us negative minimum wage, uh, is just bringing so much negative minimum wage in for Dustin that Mm -hmm. he's, uh, you know, upgrading his house. I was able to use the negative equity of the podcast to refinance the house build. Yeah, it's it's going gangbusters over here, guys. I mean, if you move to Fort Wayne, you'd be amazed what the banks will take as equity here. I told them I, we had a lot of listeners. They were like, how many? And I said, how much is the house? They said, that's how many listeners we have. They were like, I think that equates. I like that math. They're like, well, we'll you do have it. negative minimum wage listeners? Yeah, yeah, we could take that. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Fort Wayne. Any Welcome any listeners the out there fort. who are looking for a place where, you know, they can buy a house for very cheap and start a business that the only competition I know of in that area it would be Dustin. Um, mm-hmm. Fort Wayne's your place. It's your palace. Your pizza palace. <laughs> Come on down. The price is right. Dustin, thank you so much for taking some time out on a Friday night when it's actually appropriate for both of us to be drinking to record this podcast with me. Yeah. We should have gone to a bar or something, though. We made a huge mistake. We should shut this down, though. You have to wake up real early. And I don't, but you do, so. Good night. Bye, Dustin. Bye. I'm not hinting at Dustin needs to hire me. I'm actually hinting at Dustin needs to fire me. Wedding Photo Hangover was edited this week by Steve Van Elk of Bespoke Tone. Go to Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, and audio editing needs. Woo-wee!